Welcome to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. My guest today is Celeste Gonzalez de Bustamante, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona School of Journalism, also Director for the Center for Border and Global Journalism. As the University of Arizona is making plans to open, for classes beginning on August 24th, Dr. Bustamante is also part of a group called the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona. They've been organizing at the university to push the administration for a plan to return to campus that puts safety above economics to demand a financial response to the pandemic that preserves jobs and restructures one of the most drastic furlough plans in the country, and to fight for a future of the university that strengthens and supports their connections with the community. Welcome, Dr. Bustamante. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's great to be here. Tell us more about the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona. How did it get started? Well, we got started just a few months ago, actually, uh, shortly after President University of Arizona President Robert Robbins announced this very draconian furlough pay cut plan in April 17th. And a few days later, several of us faculty got together, people who have been sort of working on other issues previously, and said, we need to do something about this. So we formed an ad hoc committee of graduate students, faculty, and staff, and created a, a steering committee to push back on this furlough plan that is one of the worst in the, in the country. So we quickly organized, we wrote a letter, a petition that went to the president and the senior leadership, deploring and denouncing this plan that really had not been shared with uh, faculty and staff previously, nor had it been shared, surprisingly, with some of the other administrators, such as deans. And so what we were asking for in that letter was that was signed within 48 hours by more than 2,500 faculty, staff, and students who were supporting us uh, to ask for more shared governance and transparency in this process. And so that became one of our main issues. We have grown from just that small steering committee to now more than 500 people who are on our listserv and then another 700 or so who are supporting what we are doing. And we've never really seen this kind of collective action among these different sectors of the university. You know, graduate students have organized, staff perhaps have organized, and maybe faculty have. But to have this organization that really is crossing all of these different um, lines of difference in the university is, is pretty exciting. So Beyond the furlough and pay cut plan, we're also very concerned about the reopening of the university right now, especially since Arizona is one of the worst cases in terms of COVID cases. We're one of the states with the highest numbers of COVID cases. We're very concerned that the president just announced earlier this week that we will be going back in person, not all 40 
44,000 of us, or, or 44,000 students plus 15,000 staff, close to 60,000 people. But he said that you know as many as 20,000 people will be coming back, which is highly problematic given our current situation. And we're just concerned also about shared governance. We're concerned about inequities on campus and all of these issues that relate to what our name is, and that is the Coalition of Academic Justice. Dr. Bustamante, why did you get attracted to working with the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona? We're at a really critical time at the University of Arizona and the country. And we're seeing with COVID-19, it has sort of laid bare for us to see all of uh, the inequities that are not only at the University of Arizona, but, uh, uh, you know, in our communities and across the country and world. And on top of that, to see an administration and not only see it, but experience an administration that really doesn't seem to want to engage with the rank and file and staff, faculty and graduate students for the better of this university really prompted me to want to take action and push back on on some of the decisions that were being made without real consultation and real a real democratic process, which is part of our constitution, the Arizona state constitution to have shared governance. I've been at the university for more than 20 years, have not seen us coalesce and work together in terms of faculty, staff, and students at this level before. So this is, I think, I see this as a great opportunity for us to to really try to change this sort of model that the university has been following for the past few decades in this corporate model of, of running a university, which sidelines the very people who are participating in the core mission of the university, which is teaching, research, and outreach. How do you think that the University of Arizona developed what you see as a corporate model? What were some of the factors that led to that? Well, the University of Arizona is not unique, unfortunately, in this regard, this corporatized model of running an institution of higher education. This has been going on across the country for a couple of decades where you see uh, state legislatures divesting in the institution so we are seeing, we saw at the University of Arizona, a 56% cut in state investment between 2008 and 2018. Uh, we were one of the hardest hit universities and not just the university, but all universities in the state um, in terms of divestment. So that is one of the factors, the divestment from the state, which forced the university to become a corporation and really try to seek revenue from other places. So that means putting more of a burden on students, whether they be in-state students or out-of-state. So our tuition has gone up exponentially over, over the past decades. And, you know, our constitution also says, our state constitution says that education should be, higher education should be as close to free as possible. When you have 
students, in-state students paying close to, you know, $12,000 a year, that's not free. That's not even close to, obviously not even close to free for, for many of our students and young people who want to seek, you know, a college degree. And then beyond just trying to get students, the the university has tried to get students from out of state and international students because they pay a higher rate of tuition. And so these students are subsidizing the university. That's another sort of part of this corporate model. We have a CFO, a chief financial officer who's running the budget and designing the budget. So the whole idea here is is not really to focus on the, the higher learning. It becomes an exercise in creating an institution that's financially profitable, right, in a public institution. So we have these assets in the hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, unrestricted funds, which is, is a good thing because those things can actually help us at this point. These are some of the things that indicate that we have a real corporate way of doing things at the university. I mean, we have, if you were to look, walk on campus these days, you'll see the corporatization of the university. We have buildings that are named after people. And not to say that these people who they're named after haven't done great things, but they come with a price. They pay to have their names there. So that's another revenue generating thing for the university. We have Starbucks on campus. We have Clinique on campus. The parking garages are a way for the university to make money off of its own employees. So this capitalism on campus, we have Payway, we have uh, dominoes. I mean, these are all corporations that are on campus. And not to say that those are not things that students enjoy, but why is the university in the business of doing these things? You're listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today is Celeste Gonzalez de Bustamante, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona School of Journalism and part of the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona, uh, talking about how staff, faculty, and grad students have gotten together to push back on the University of Arizona's reentry plans in the face of COVID as well as looking at some of the larger issues uh, facing the university. What would shared governance and more transparency look like to the Coalition for Academic Justice? Well, Amanda, we have something called the Faculty Senate, and these uh, are senators who have been elected in a very democratic process of those eligible faculty vote for them, and they represent the more than 3,000 faculty who are part of the general faculty, unfortunately, adjuncts and people who are temporary lecturers are not included in that general faculty, and we're working to change that. What has happened, though, is that over the years, this faculty senate has not really taken on as strong of, as a advocacy role as it could have, and, and that's one of the reasons we're here today because it's been somewhat advisory, but not really taking a really strong position to push back on these sort of corporate 
directed decisions that have been made. So our faculty senate has been somewhat weak, although I will say since this uh, draconian furlough pay cut plan was announced and handed down in April, the faculty senate, uh, many of its members have become much more vocal and are actually taking a lot of steps to try to push back on the university administration as well. But to answer your question, real shared governance would include this and revive and create a faculty senate that is much more active and engaged with faculty. So that also requires, I'm not putting all the onus on the faculty senators, but also faculty themselves to be more involved in the shared governance process. So we, the faculty over the decades have been somewhat not too involved because they don't think that their vote counts anyway much. So at this moment in time, I think this is critical for us to show that the faculty sentence in this part of shared governance really does matter and that the administration can maybe start listening to it. So a stronger faculty senate would be part of this strengthening of shared governance, but not just the faculty. I mean, there are actually more staff members at the university and graduate students who should be part of the shared governance process too. So the administration should be listening to those constituencies as well. There's a council for staff and graduate students have a, a, a council as well, but they don't have as much power at the university currently. And I think that's something that could change and needs to change to create shared governance across the university. Uh, and then there's the, the issue of unionization. Uh, we're in a right to work state. We can't create organizations and associations that can uh, work to, to push back on the university administration. Maricopa Community College has an association and uh, they have been quite uh, effective in pushing their administration to help create a, an environment that is much more compassionate and equitable for, for faculty at their institution. So we're looking at, as a coalition, we're looking at some of these things right now. One of the big concerns clearly is everyone's safety. And in this time of COVID-19, the university is scheduled to have a combination of in-person and at-home and online courses beginning at the usual start date of August 24th. Uh, Dr. Robbins has said that um, more would be revealed by the end of the month of what those protocols would look like. He's enlisted uh, Dr. Richard Carmona to head up the reentry task force. So there's really just a month for professors to prepare their classes, for uh, students to prepare for the classes. Talk about your concerns at this time. The coalition is deeply concerned about the plan that has been put forth, the reentry plan that is that have been, has been put forth by the university administration. We're concerned about it because it's very contradictory. <laughs> the plan is not clear. The plan has many inconsistencies. There, in terms of faculty, staff, and graduate students, we're getting all kinds of information 
ideally we would like to go to one place and see what the plan is, but we can't do that right now. If you were to go to four different websites uh, at the university, you'll get, you know, four, four different types of information that just number one is a communications person. You can't have that if you, especially at an institution with 45,000 students and 15,000 staff, right? That's one thing. The, the bigger issue is the public health concerns that the coalition has. And so the, President Robbins is right when he says we have four different modalities in which faculty can teach and they can choose which modality in which they want to teach. That is the uh, completely online, live online, flex, which means you're partly in person, and then the totally in-person class. What's wrong with that is at the same time the president is saying we have flexibility, the administration is also requiring us to have at least 50% of our classes in person. And in some cases, up to 70% of classes, depending on the type of class, in person. And then he's telling students that they can choose whatever modality that they want. So what is it? It is unrealistic to say to the faculty, you can choose, and students, you can all choose what you want, but in the practicality of it, it's not going to happen. So we feel that this messaging is somewhat disingenuous to students and faculty and staff to say that you can choose, but when you get down to putting that plan in place, it's it's not possible, right? And then bringing as many as 20,000 students, which is what President Robbins said at his last press briefing in the reopening, bringing that many students back on campus, even if it's for part of the week, it's also extremely unsafe. People from public health have even said as as much. The university's public health, um, some of their experts. So really don't know exactly where this decision is coming from, from a doctor, a surgeon general, who are both supposed to be, I would imagine that they're utmost concern would be the safety of faculty, staff, and students and the safety of the entire Tucson community, where this decision is coming from, right? Um, And we can only surmise that it's coming from really the financial challenges that are pushing the university administration. But is that more important than lives that are possibly going to be sacrificed on the campus or outside, uh, you know, in the in the general community, because we all know that the University of Arizona is Tucson, and Tucson is the university. We, you know, there's there's really no dividing line. Students and faculty, we all we go to campus, but we go back home, and we go to grocery stores, and we go to we shop, which is a great thing because the university is a a great economic engine for for the community. But at the same time, that also means in terms of COVID, it could increase the potential for an outbreak. And I will say that already up until uh, this was last week, when I last checked this figure, that 70 people 
in the university community, according to University Campus Health, have contracted COVID. So that's with the campus not being fully open. And now that we're going to reopen it in a few weeks, what's going to happen? We're very concerned because already over the summer, we've seen a situation where hospital beds have been filled to capacity here in Tucson, and some patients have had to go up to Phoenix and other places to get care. And if a situation happens where we have 20,000 people moving back to Tucson and we have an outbreak, it would be unconscionable to to think that we we could have a, a situation where we wouldn't have enough hospital beds or enough people to really create an environment where, you know, public health can be the best that it can. And so those are some of our concerns, Amanda, with the reentry. The other thing is with reentry, again, this is similar to the draconian furlough pay cut plan. There's been some participation of faculty and staff and students, but not enough. There's, again, and there's been a lack of transparency of how this is really happening. And then it's as if the president's really not paying attention to what the faculty and staff are saying when making this decision to come back in, on August 24th, because the CAHUA, the Coalition for Academic Justice, had to conduct its own survey because the university uh, hasn't, they started to survey the faculty and staff about its, about how comfortable we were in coming back in the fall face to face. But we've never seen the results of that survey, which was handed down and handed out more than a a month and a half ago. We still have not seen the results of that. So the coalition sent out its own survey to faculty, staff and students. And the 1,200 people who participated, among those who participated, Almost 70% of them said they were uncomfortable with going back face-to-face. So we have to, again, ask, why are this president and surgeon general making this decision when it clearly seems like this is not a good public health decision to make at this particular time? Dr. Bustamante, talk about some of the different alliances within the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona? So one of the things that is really important for the coalition is to build allies and alliances across difference. And so it's really important for us to support uh, organizations and, and groups like the Coalition of Black Students and Allies. We try to support what they're doing on social media, we are also um, supporting Native SOAR and Native Voice, uh, the, the Native American students on campus and their efforts to push back on the university administration. In fact, one of our steering committee members on the coalition is a member of Native SOAR. So these issues that the Coalition for Academic Justice is involved in go beyond our coalition. They they are connected to the issues of equity and justice and social justice and social transformation that COBA is the Coalition for Black Students and Allies is trying to to work on. It, they're connected to other groups like Native SOAR. They're connected to 
even groups outside of Tucson and across the country. So what we're doing now is really part of a, a larger movement um, and movements across the country. And that's really important for the coalition, as well as some of these other issues that we've been talking about today. You know, Amanda, we've talked a lot about pressing issues of the day, but I think a lot of the members of the coalition, including myself, are part of the coalition because we care very deeply about the University of Arizona and its future. We want to have an institution and a place of higher learning for those students who are just entering you know, K through 12 right now and who could dream about coming to a place that really is there to serve them you know, in our core mission of really having a world-class uh, faculty and world-class instruction and, and a place that is equitable and compassionate and so we're concerned about the future, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. How can the community learn more about the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona, or COHUA? And how could the community support University of Arizona staff, faculty, and grad student concerns? Well, the Anybody who's interested in finding out more about the Coalition for Academic Justice can go to our website, and that is at www.cajua.weebly.com. I'll say it one more time, cajua.weebly.com, and we have lots of information about what we're about and what we've been doing. We'd love to hear from you. We also have an email uh, it's uh, C-A-J-U-A at protonmail.com. And as far as what can the community do, I reach out to the president and provost and tell them what's on your mind. They say they're willing to listen. So I'm going to take them at the word for that. And uh, I'm sure they would love to hear from people in the community to to hear your voices and hear what your concerns are, because getting back to what I've said previously, we are very much part of the Tucson community and the state, right? We're the largest employer in Tucson, the University of Arizona is. And it's also the University of Arizona. I don't know if people know this. Uh, Arizona State certainly has uh, more students than we do, but as an economic engine, the last report showed that the University of Arizona actually contributes more to the state economy than Arizona State. So, you know, it's an important place, to say the least, in, in the Tucson and, and statewide communities. We'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to 30 Minutes from 91.3 KXCI Tucson. My guest today was Celeste Gonzalez de Bustamante, Associate Professor at the University of Arizona School of Journalism. She's also Director for the Center for Border and Global Journalism and a member of the Coalition for Academic Justice at the University of Arizona. You can find this and all recent episodes of 30 Minutes on the 30 Minutes program page at kxci.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Amanda Shogger.